special episode Otakuthon 2011 also, we have Eric Allard. He's an artist. He started doing a webcomic and he's also doing a printed copy of his own comic book, He Robot. It's a giant robot style. So anybody who's familiar with some of the uh, anime uh, from the 70s that featured these giant robots, that is what inspired him to do this. He was at the show promoting his work, obviously. Next, we'll have Don, who's a representative from Costume Con. As you may know, Costume Toronto actually won the bid for Costume Con 32. It'll be taking place in a couple of years. So Costume Con is coming to Canada and Toronto in particular and Don was there to tell us about that and finally we have an interview with Amanda Arisa she's the spokesperson and chair of Attackathon she's been involved with the convention since its early beginning and interesting thing is as we were recording this and we were at least halfway through the con at that point they were already planning their next conventions just to give you how much of a plan ahead they have to do for this convention so special interviews and uh, episode about Attackathon 2011 right after these messages. The Gaming Genius Awards. Nominations are open for our Game and Hobby Awards, recognizing excellence in game design, game publishing, game creation, and anything game-related. If you are a game publisher, game designer, or a fan, contact us at thegoldenpawns.org. If you like this show, come on over to RPGpodcast.com, where you'll find dozens more great role-playing podcasts. And we're back to Takuthon 2011. This is Montreal's annual anime and manga culture convention held in the middle of August every summer. It's held at the Montreal Convention Center, otherwise known as the Palais de Congrès, and it's a gigantic event. Our first interview that we have here is something that you did with people who are offering free hugs. What's that all about? Actually, we've seen them at Otakuthon before. I've seen them at other conventions, mostly conventions that were sprung up from Otakuthon. And as far as I can tell, I haven't really seen people going around with like signs that says free hugs. Essentially what it is, is people going around and have this sign that says free hugs and they will hug you if you ask them. So they'll give you free hugs. And it's something that actually started at Otakuthon and we were just like curious as to what was that about? You know, is this a form of cosplaying? Is this something? I don't know. So we decided that we'd find out and nab one of them and ask him a few questions and we've got the recording right here here it goes here we are at otakuthon 2011 and i'm standing with people with signs saying free hugs and we're gonna go and talk to them so hi mr free hug <laughs> so um first of all uh what's your name 
Uh, my name is Andrew, and this is my fourth year at the convention. So what is it with free hugs? A few years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, they had signs, and I don't know how it started exactly, but people were just giving each other free hugs, and there was even one time where like they reserved an hour just to give free hugs. So it made it big here in Otokthon. But I've been also to Anime North, and free hugs were nowhere to be found. So free hugs is something that you only find at Otakuthon? So it seems. I went to uh, Otak uh, the Anime North, and it seemed like there was like a, a violation of rights, something like that, that we weren't, for, for some reason, we weren't allowed giving free hugs. But here, it's, it's a common thing. Well, this is Quebec. That's true. <laughs> Anime North is, is in Ontario. I mean, yeah. they're kind of, you know, square there. <laughs> there was a conservative convention. <laughs> there was a conservative conservative convention was going on in Anime North. You think that's why they didn't want to have free hugs, just in case you guys just felt like hugging Harper or something? <laughs> Funny thought. <laughs> so you've been doing this, like, year after year. Are you the only ones here doing this, or is it, like, as it catched on, is, like, something that people are just doing here? Well, the first year or second year we came here and there was like very few advertisements. You had to hear from a friend of a friend. But now we can even see like advertisements in the newspaper and the metros and stuff. So it's become quite popular in my opinion, that is. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much for being on the show and have a good day. No problem. Thank you very much. All right. So that's what that was all about. So tell me something. Did you get a hug out of this? Uh, no. Oh. No, I didn't feel like a hug. It was just... You know, it wasn't... There were too many people around, no? Yeah, I guess not everybody really wants to get hugged by a cosplayer, especially if the cosplayer is a guy. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean... Yeah, yeah I know, but, I know. I, yeah, but no, like... Yeah, moving right along, who do we have next? Next, we have Eric Allard. Eric Allard is a comic book artist. Basically, he's been drawing ever since that he was a kid. And he was inspired by the giant robots genre of the, you know, the 70s anime that was really popular at the time. It's still popular. It's still popular, but it's this old vintage 70s anime that he was brought up with as a kid that sort of, like, you know, got <laughs> him into drawing and becoming an artist. And he decided to make this sort of webcomic called Herobot. Basically, it's a webcomic, but he also printed it is the first volume of the adventures. And he was there at the Otakuthon promoting the, the work. So we asked him a few questions about his inspiration. For those of our listeners who want to check out HeroBot while they're listening to this interview, where can they find that online? He's got a website called actionfactoryonline.com. That's all one word, eh? Yeah, actionfactoryonline.com. And the links are in the show notes, but let's hear the interview. Here we are at Otakufan 2011. I'm with Eric Alar. Eric Alar is the person behind Herobot, a uh, comic book strip, mainly in webcomic. He's got the first chapter printed in a comic book format. He's here at Otakufan to promote himself, and welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here. So, how did Herobot actually come to life? Herobot is a product of uh, watching hours and hours of kids' show when I was little. Uh, Grandizer robot, uh, Mazinger, uh, mostly Japanese super robots. And after that, it's just uh, recently I've been working in the video game industries. My work has gotten more solid and I've decided to take what I've learned and use the research and creation of the character and I decided to just go for it and start a, a storyline with the character. Uh, what is the story behind Aerobot? The story behind the character is actually the name came before the, the character himself. I just really, really dig the name Herobot and I wanted to do something with it. But I've spent years just 
doodling him, drawing him without any backstories. And uh, like I said before, I just came to a point where I sat down, thought of a story, characters, and the, basically the reason because I w the story wasn't getting started is because there was no human characters around the robot. And what makes people follow a story is to have cool and great characters. And I sat down, wrote, and uh, here it is. So the world of HeroBot, like what's happening in your comic book? What's the plot lines or what type of a comic book is it? It's um, mostly a science fiction story. Uh, it's about a, a, an organization called NeoRobo who tries to create a, a super robot to fight uh, an invasion of uh, hybrid machines called the Technogors from conquering the Earth. So the good guys win? So far the, the good guy wins, but they're in trouble. All right, so that was Eric Allard at Otakathon. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. One of the most distinctive things about any anime convention is going to be all the cosplayers going around. So many of them are dressed up in costumes to make themselves look like their favorite anime characters. One of the mainstays of Otakuthon in Montreal is somebody whose name we don't know. We gotta interview him one of these days. We call him Sailor Man. This is somebody who goes around, he's male, we can tell from the Adam's apple and the stubble. And he goes around dressed up as a perfect Sailor Moon. And to date, whether it's at Otakuthon, at other Montreal area conventions, or even at Fan Expo in Toronto, we have yet to see a woman dressed up in Sailor Moon who has the resemblance that this guy has. But we're digressing here. The whole thing is, is that costumes are the in thing. And it's not just anime and manga or comic book conventions where you can find people who dress up in costumes. In fact, there's a whole community of costumers out there who have their own network of conventions. Actually, we managed to uh, bump into somebody from CostumeCon. So CostumeCon is a convention, kind of like Worldcon. It goes from city to cities, and basically every city sort of bid on it and in advance. So it's like the Olympics or the World Cup almost. Yeah, well, pretty much. Anybody who's, who knows Worldcon or FantasyCon, uh, World FantasyCon, they know how the, the system works. So we bumped into Don. Don is a, uh, is a representative of CostumeCon 32, which will take place in Toronto in 2014. Wait, 32? You mean it's been going on since 1980? Pretty much. Uh, wow. Costume Con is a, uh, is a long-standing tradition. It goes from city to city, kind of like Wocon, uh, the city's bid on it, and Toronto won the bid. So it's not a, a huge convention. They might have a lot of... But it's concentrated people who are serious about costuming, and really serious. I mean, people who spend a lot of time on the costumes. Oh, you know, that's true. If you go to any anime or science fiction convention, they say you can tell the serious fans from the not-so-serious fans by whether or not they're all decked out in a costume and how much effort they put into their costume. Well, at Costume Con, hey, all of these people are in costumes, so these are the hardcore of the hardcore. I guess that if you're into LARPing, this is definitely something to consider checking out because if anybody knows costumes, it's these guys, right? Well, I have a feeling it's not really much about LARPing, more about costuming themselves as a, maybe as an art form, I guess. So they'll have panels on how to sew their costumes, how to do things, how to create their costumes. And essentially, it's a convention of people who like to create their own costumes. So it's a very specialized type of convention. But we'll let Don explain to us all about it uh, right after this. 
Okay, Mags, you know about the reviews, interviews, news, and discussions that we have here on All Games Considered. But before you join up, we should tell you about the curse. Wait, what? Yeah, what's this about? The co-host curse. I mean, you know, first there was just Mike and his bizarre gardening accident. Poor bizarre guy. Bizarre gardening. And then there was the first Chris. He choked on... Mark, what does this have to do with anything? Well, you guys are going through co-host at an alarming rate. And it's not going to get better if Mark keeps scaring them away. All Games Considered, featuring news and conversations about all aspects of tabletop gaming, is a proud member of Goblin, the gaming broadcast network. Start your journey at www.agcpodcast.info. Let me guess, the second Chris spontaneously combusted during a recording, right? Yeah, how did you know? So I'm here with Don from Costume Con. I believe this is like Costume Con 32 is taking place in 2014, is that correct? That's right, 2014 in Toronto, Ontario. Is costume kind of like Worldcon? Is it go from like one city to the next or is it always in Toronto? Yes, CostumeCon is an international conference for costume enthusiasts and um, cities bid on it in advance of the con, three years in advance of each con. And Toronto won for 2014, is that yes, correct? recently in May we were voted to win the conference, so we were awarded it for 2014. So for people who don't know CostumeCon, what can we expect to see there if, I, if, I, if you're a costume enthusiast? What is there for them at CostumeCon? Well, aside from demos and workshops and takeaways that we do during the weekend and guest lectures, we also have multiple masquerades. We have a sci-fi and fantasy masquerade, a historical masquerade. We have several fashion shows, um, including a single pattern and a future fashion folio. And the people in the masquerades, do they have like prize awards that you give out to the best costume? Yes, there are awards at various levels for different costumes as well as a best in show in each event. And we also have special awards from the con chair and from the founder and from different guild chapters actually from different cities around um, North America. So essentially there will be people coming from all over the world for this con? Yes, absolutely. Um, we've had people come as far uh, from Japan, for instance, to come to the convention. How many people do you expect at uh, CostumeCon 32? I'm, I really don't want to say at this point because every conference is different depending on their geographical location and how well it's promoted. In Toronto, we're hoping to get at least a thousand people at the conference. It's a more intimate conference, um, but it's very enjoyable. It's, it's very intensive as far as the panels. It's much different than a local science fiction con as you get more one-on-one -on -one instruction. So is there a, uh, an actual date set for Toronto in 2014, or is it just like, you know, a general year right now? Well, actually, I don't feel too far going on a limb in saying it'll probably be the last week of April of 2014. And is there a website? Yes, our website is www.costumecon32.com. Well, thank you very much, and have a good day. Thank you very much. So definitely a lot of costuming action, a lot of intense costuming action in Toronto in two years' time. To top off this special episode about Otakuthon 2011, we speak with the Otaku-in-Chief herself, Amanda Arisa, the head organizer and spokesperson. Amanda is the chair of Otakuthon, chair and president. She's been involved with the convention since its early beginning, so we wanted to ask her about what does it take to make a con that's just as big on a scope that Otakuthon is, what does it take to do this, some anecdotes about running the con, what they're planning for next year, 
basically what is it like to actually run something like this and her views on the convention itself. We had the chance to actually interview her just at the con on the second day of the con. And this is something really important. Now, what people don't realize here is just what a huge undertaking it is for a convention on this scale and how really planning a convention like this is a full-time endeavor. She talks a little bit about that and also talks about some of the interesting things that happen between some of the cons, some of the anecdotes, funny things that happen. So we asked her a few questions about it and she was kind enough to talk to us. It was a little difficult of getting in touch with her because she was running around all over the place. They actually had to radio her to come and talk to us for the interview. It's a job with with responsibilities for yeah. sure. And with great responsibilities comes great power. Or great podcast interviews. And so without further ado, Amanda, chair of Otakuthan. I'm here with Amanda Risa, the uh, chair and official spokesperson of Otakuthan. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this is Otakuthan 2011. How many years has Otakuthan has been running now? This is going to be its sixth year. Sixth year? Mm-hmm. And how many people do you think you have this year? This year we're probably expecting between 9,000 to 10,000 at this point. And you started off as a, uh, as a university club, the Concordia Club, and you had two conventions and the third convention, something happened, 2,000 people showed up, and then basically you got kicked out by university. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Otakuthan? Sure. Well, we weren't really kicked out. We just decided that we had to expand and grow bigger. So we decided to look for a new venue. We picked the Palais de Congrès because we had a vision. It was a very nice venue. It had room for expansion. And we thought we could do so much more and so much better by coming over here. And I think it was the right choice. The venue is very first class. The rate is excellent. They have very nice lighting, very nice rooms, very good floor plans, and everything together in one place, right next to Chinatown in the heart of Montreal. And um, obviously a convention like Otakuthan takes a lot of planning to do. How many people are actually involved in Otakuthan? I mean, just coming here, registration, there's people with, uh, you know, computers and this. There was like a huge room just set up for registration to take care of the flow that, you know, I guess most people showed up, I guess, on Friday to register. Can you tell us a little bit about the logistics? How many people are involved and how long did it take you to actually to, to do this? Sure. Well, quite honestly, it takes us a full year to plan, which means that once we're done this convention, we're already starting to plan for the next convention. Staff-wise, this year we have roughly 300 staff, probably even more than another 300 volunteers. We have that many people, so we need a lot of people to come and manage them also. This is all volunteer-based? Yes, it is all volunteer-based. Everyone does it because they love anime and they want to make a great event for people to enjoy. Tell us about the guests this year. Who do you have at Otakuthan? This year we have Halko Momoe. She's our Japanese guest of honor, the queen of Akihabara, an excellent singer. She's very much from Japan. You could tell she's in the niche and in style. We also have Mali Flanagan, who is the voice actress of Naruto, which many people are familiar with, and Crispin Freeman. We also have other guests of honor, like Steve Downs, who does Master Chief from Halo, as well as we have manga artist guests, Lara Souza from Blind Ferret Entertainment. Basically, a lot of guests that we try to have a variety of to give people something, a little bit of something from everything. Otakufan, I'm sure, uh, being a big convention and having so many people, do you have any funny stories, something that happened at a con and you're like, oh my God, I still can't believe that happened. Like any anecdotes to share? Give me a moment to think about this. <laughs> Hang on. This is not a good sign when she's cracking up and she has to choose which one to tell. <laughs> 
Well, we have a, a lot of funny stories that we've had throughout the year. I think um, one of the funniest ones was one of our rooms when we were doing the late night anime. The security guard was passing by from the Palais des Congrès. And normally, you know, security is pretty serious. He actually thought it was very hilarious in the room, and he ended up staying and watching it the whole time. He's not an anime fan, but he got into it. And the whole staff laughed about it. They even had um, a maid in there as well who was at the entrance and greeting everyone inside. It's pretty hilarious. I've noticed walking around that there are people with signs that says free hugs. I've been told that Otakuthon and you know is one of the few places where that happens. Apparently in Anime North, it, they, you don't have free hugs. Is that true? I think it's true, yes. I haven't gone to Anime North in a while, but we like to encourage it. I mean, it's this where free hugs. If people want a hug, it's fine. We just have a rule where if they don't want a hug, don't. So we make an area saying, if you want hugs, come over here. And it's great because it's sharing the love. How did that get started? There was just somebody walked around with a sign that said free hugs and it sort of got from there. Like, is there like the creator of free hug that, that's out there? Like, how did that come about? I think it started because an artist started giving out free hug signs and it just spread really fast almost it was contagious and everyone loved it and started doing it it's the spirit of the convention where we're all happy we all want to give some love and hug each other it's great you've got a dealer room you've got quite a few dealers here they also some other conventions what other activities can you have besides the dealer room I mean, there's a gaming room that uh, we went by earlier quite filled you have Karta Meshka doing that card games uh, you have Philosophia Games who's here also today uh, what are other activities you have panels costuming panels obviously you've got a masquerade and can you tell us a little bit more about that the masquerade is our biggest event for a costume they give awards and it's very popular because it's the best of the best costumes at the event other activities we try to focus more on the anime we have unique events such as singing and dancing otakuthon idol j music in motion which does both singing and dancing together i believe there's also a fashion show we have concerts hako momo is doing a live japanese concert as well as the lead street boys that did a band performance. I understand for the masquerade this year you have a special new category which is skits? Yes, we do a skit contest because in the masquerade it could be either short skits or just a walk-on, whereas the skit contest is for people who want longer time to do a longer skit that's more enjoyable. It's not only about the costume, it's really about the quality of the skits. And I think, you know, the masquerade is a little bit under three minutes, but the skit can go up to, to three minutes on the, on the stage. I guess that's the main difference. They have a little bit more time to do their, their thing. Yes, the masquerade, I think there's a limit of two to three minutes, whereas the skit contest, I believe they could go all the way up to five minutes. Do you show uh, anime here? Do you, are there showings of, of things that you can only see here at Otakuthon because it's not yet available, like, say, on DVD? Or do you have any specific special showings that you do? We try to do a variety. We don't only show anime, we also show live actions, many of them that are not yet available here in North America. But we do show also the commercial ones as well. We want to give people a wide variety of different things and tastes because everyone likes different things. Doing something like Otakufan, like you mentioned, that the moment this con is over, you're going to start planning the next one. How hard is it to run something like this? Or there are times you go like, my God, what are we doing? <laughs> of course, there's, you know, good times and bad times. We try to look at the good time most and spin with the positive. As difficult as it is, it's always rewarding at the end when we're at the convention and we see all these people with smiles on their faces having a great time. Do you have a date set up for Otakuthon 2012? Yes, next year's Otakuthon is going to be held on the first weekend of August and we hope that it will be a great weekend with lovely weather. Well, thank you very much, Amanda. That was Amanda Arisa from uh, Otakuthon. She's chair of the Aquifan for, what, how many? Six years. Six years already. Yeah. So thank you very much for being on the show, and have a good con, and good luck for Otakuthan 2012. Thank you. It was a pleasure. 
that's the lowdown from the person who shoulders the awesome responsibility that it is to run a con like this. And like you were talking about there, in addition to all the costuming, all the panels and the fashion shows and the concerts, they even have gaming at this con. Yeah, there was a gaming room this year, like the previous year. This year they had some more miniatures, I think, than I saw last year. There were obviously some RPGs, some card games with Carta Magica was on board for card games. That's a local store. And one of the interesting things they tried to do with the gaming room this year, which they've done before, but this year they really tried to put that a little bit more. So try to make all the gaming more anime-related or anime-centric. So there was some war games with like chibi characters, Super Dungeon Explorer, which was being demoed. Tell us a little bit what it looks like when you say chibi what exactly is well they're small like chibi big eyes you know sort of like smaller characters it you know i'm sure there must be like tons of like references just you know you can check on wikipedia what chibi is i'm sure there's a lot of like probably a lot of technical terms but once you've seen one of the characters you know what it's like just go to uh soda pop site uh, sodapopminiatures.com you can take a look at their minis and you'll see exactly what i mean there was also some games of anima tactics which is also anime inspired so just to give you an idea of how the gaming was sort of customized to the anime feel of the con and obviously like the card games i mean so some there was a lot of of anime really can't have games. a con with gaming without some magic the gathering going on well actually i think it was uh, maybe uh, pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh and that sort of games that were oh, there too wow so they really really did go all out to make it as japanese as possible that's cool there was tons of other stuff there was like a huge dealer room dealer area but there were some video games actually that were being played panels there was tons of panels discussion An interesting thing and and i think they did this last year but i've probably only noticed this year is they had panels classified by age restriction so they had like 18 plus panel if they were doing uh, topics that they didn't feel comfortable having probably children you know maybe 14 we to 16 there. We won't go into the specific subject matter here but people who know the medium could probably guess at some of it. Well let I me mean, some some or some more mature subjects it's not just like you know 18 plus as in mature but like more uh, subjects are more uh, not necessarily like you know for children they sort of like try to rate their panels the same way that you rate a, a movie uh, so that like general 13 plus and that sort of thing mm. so it was interesting that they've done that and I, I kind of like that it's a kind of con where you can have all these panels but at the same time you can bring your kids and you know that they won't be stepping into a panel that necessarily talks to something that you might not want your 13 year old kid or 12 year old kid to listen to so it was interesting that the the organizers actually took the time to actually make a, a convention that would look into that. I mean, that and it pays off because like when I was on the convention room floor I saw people of all ages all over the place just commingling. It was definitely a general interest family friendly anime convention yet because they did bother to have this age restriction on some events that you know there was something for everyone so it wasn't watered down in any yeah. way. Of course the masquerade they had some you know innovations of masquerade like Amanda mentioned now they also had like some longer skits and so on so they, they're always improving and adding to the convention and they'll probably do it again at the Palais de Congrès next year like Amanda said they're probably working on the next Otagathon right now so the date hasn't been announced obviously but I'm sure so it's usually every August like right in the middle like yeah usually third week. usually what they try to do is they try to do it right after Fantasia they don't want to have Otagathon taking place at the exact exact same time as Fantasia because Fantasia which is another festival shows films here in Montreal they sometimes cover anime so they don't want to have an overlap and obviously they don't want to do it at the same time of other conventions like Captain Kimono in Quebec City or Nadeshikan which is another convention we actually have an interview with the Nadeshikan spokesperson on our 
you know, French version of this podcast. So the, it'll probably be around the same time like next year. And I think this year was pretty good. I mean, the location itself was nice. Walking around, they've managed to splinter off the various events all over the Palais de Congrès so that you don't have this situation where you're trying to, you know it's a crowded con, but you don't feel like it's that crowded because they splintered off like the panels in one place and, and so on. So you don't have this, I'm trying to wade myself through a, uh, through a, a sea crowd. of people. Through a sea of people and eventually it gets to a point where you're like, hey, having some problems moving here on the floor and it's not really, there's some conventions or really big that track a lot of people sometimes so much people that they have to stop people from entering the building we're not going to mention any names they didn't have that problem with the Akufan. they had a nice flow and it's probably not as big as some of the other bigger cons out there but it's certainly one of the bigger cons that there are here and they did a pretty good job I mean when you have like 300 volunteers working for your con doing all this stuff that just tells you just how many people actually show up at this convention. That's 300 volunteers. So many local conventions can't even get that many attendees. I guess it's because it's Otakufan anime is really big. It was a really nice con. It was a really uh, fun atmosphere. Like I said, they have their own little peculiarities and we wish them best luck for next year. That's all the time we have for this episode. You can find out more about who we are and what we do at our website www.polymancer.com or our main corporate website www.polymancerstudios.com. You can email us at dicecast at polymancer.com, follow us on Twitter at polymancer, or on Facebook at facebook.com polymancer or myspace.com polymancer. The music for this segment, Fort Minor, Remember the Name, BYFH Remix by Chojin, Violated Instrumental by Technetium, Industrial March Beat and Triple Layer Guitar in E by Neurowax are all released under a Creative Commons license. This episode is copyright 2011 Polymancer Studios Incorporated, released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivative works license. This episode may be freely redistributed as long as it is done for no charge and as long as due credit is given to the copyright owners. Full text of the Creative Commons license is available at creativecommons.org. Dicecast is a trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Polymancer is a registered trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Thank you for listening to the Dicecast.